Does anyone know here know what this is? It is a scroll, but it's a particular sort of scroll. Anyone recognize this? Put your hand up if you recognize this particular scroll. There's one or two popping up around the place. Good on you, Emma. I'll help you out a little bit, eh? I'm not sure that Robert undoes it all after all these years. This scroll talks about the opening of La Vida Conference and Community Centre, 25th of November 2006. That was 11 years ago yesterday. Who remembers that? We had been, yeah. Actually, we had been meeting here about three or four weeks, I think, before that. We started here in October, and um, then we had the official thing with the MP from the area came along and said his thing and left halfway through after he'd finished, and, you know, it was cool, wasn't it? In fact, he was late arriving. I remember it was, he was very late arriving. I won't tell you who it was, Honourable Jim Anderton, who did a good job <laughs> of his MP work all those years, actually, but he, he was late, and um, we couldn't start without him. And there were all these murmurings, I remember going, people were going, typical Pentecostal church, they're running late. And I felt like jumping up saying, it's not our fault, the MP's not here yet. Anyway, we had Swarm, who sang, and we had, sorry, they danced, didn't they? We had um, the LC3 cultural group from Wickedham Primary, Kirkwood to meet in Wickedham High School, Middleton Grange Showcase, all sorts, of, that was great. And uh, 11 years ago yesterday was that, wasn't it? And it's interesting because since we opened here, I've had numbers of interesting conversations, a bit like this. Is this place a church? And I go, sometimes. And they go, huh, what, do you, what do you mean by that? And I say, well, really, sometimes isn't the right word. It's, it's better to say yes and no. And they go, um, you're losing me. And I say, well, actually, it's, it's more no than yes. And about that time, they go, uh, yeah, okay, I understand this. Right. Who's been looking at the pictures of the churches behind me here? Which one of those... Oh, it's not moving. Where are the rest of them? Oh, there you go. Which one of those church ones is, is, is the best? <laughs> Which actually brings up another question. What exactly is the church? What exactly is it? Good on you guys. Because if we can discover what the church is and what it should be like, then I think we actually decide, we can find out what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to be like. So what is the church? And you've already answered the question so I can go home, which is really cool. But let's get there a bit slower. Not get home a bit slower, but finish a bit slower. The first mention of the word church is found in Matthew 6. And it's in a place where Jesus has been having a discussion with his disciples and talking to them about who people think he is. And so after this discussion and some interesting answers have come along, Jesus then says to them this question. So let's pick it up here in Matthew 16, verse 15 to 18. Then he asks them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. 
And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Great passage, eh? Now when Jesus is saying, I'll build my church, I don't think he was saying, well, you know, I was trained as a carpenter, so I'd love to build my church out of wonderful timber with big high arch ceilings and beams and just, that'd be awesome. Like, oh, no, let me think again. I'm, no, what about, I, I'll build my church out of stone and, and maybe a big spire in the middle with a, with a cross on top. Oh, I know what, I'll build a church with a great, lovely, wonderful glass, round glass, uh, color glass window. Oh, no, I, I know, what about a church built of tilt slab concrete? And so on and so on. See, Jesus isn't talking about a building, as some of our friends have told us this this morning. He's not talking about a building, a building, building a building. Building a building is hard to say when you sat backwards, building a building. The word church in the Greek comes from the word ecclesia, which means called out ones. Called out ones. And of course, over the centuries, with common usage, the word church has become to refer to a physical building, but this is not what Jesus was saying. Church means the called out ones, the, the people who belong to God, the people who are being built together, not to be a physical building, but to be a spiritual building. The church might meet in a cathedral or at a home or in a dungeon, or outdoors, or in a warehouse, or in a pub, or anywhere. In fact, spiritually, it doesn't matter where a church might meet, as long as it meets often, and meets when and where it can. Would you agree with me this morning? Don't get me wrong, I love, I love old church buildings. Anyone with me? Most of us, or most of you still choose to go to a lovely old church building to get married, and if you can find one in Christchurch anymore. Because there's something about the ambience, isn't there? And, it, and I love the amazing architecture. I've been to lots of them around the world and think they're fantastic. I love the dedication of people that have built them for the glory of God. But when Jesus said, I'll build my church, he was talking about people. People he loves, people he died for, and people he changes to be like him. Church is people. The church is the called out ones. The church is those who belong to God. It includes all those that have gone before us, down through the ages, those from every people group, every language who belong to Jesus, those who are alive today who are believers, those that are yet to be born who will be believers, those who are not yet believers who are alive today and haven't yet been born. Those that are already in heaven and those that are on earth, that is God's church. It's you and me. Wherever you and I go, we are the church. You've probably heard me say this many times over the years. When we're here, we're the church gathered, right? But when we leave here, we're the church scattered. And so we scatter to come back to gather again, and we gather again to go and scatter again, and we gather again to come back to gather again, and then we get scattered again. But when we're scattered, we're still the church. Man, that understanding should really shape how we act and what we do during the week and how we treat other people during the week. Anyone with me this morning? If we're the church scattered, we're the representatives of Jesus wherever we are. So whatever the building may look like, 
It just houses the church. In fact, really, when, it's when the church comes together, it's just housing the church. We are the sheep. The building is the sheep shed. In fact, isn't that great this morning? We are sheep inside a sheep shed today. Turn to someone and go, bah. I'm not trying to pull the wool over your eyes about this at all either, really. It's just... But later on, we'll probably fleece you because the offering will come around. But, you know, it's... What was that? Oh, I'm out of a dag today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be de-dagged then, don't I? Is that what you say? De-dagging? No, dagging. Oh, I don't know. And Jesus said, I will build my church. Don't you like that? Who does it belong to? Him. It's his church. And he wasn't referring to one denomination or a particular group of churches, right? His church includes the whole lot. Small group, large group, little church, mega church, Baptist, Pentecostal, Anglican, Catholic, whatever you might call it this morning. Denomination, combination, autonomous, monotonous, whatever you might be. It's, it's his church, right? It's about big C, the universal church made up of millions and millions of local churches. And I firmly believe, and I gave my life to it, the local church is very important to God because it is the local church is his instrument to see the kingdom of God spread around the earth. So maybe if I think like this, I'm just beginning to get a glimpse of what the church really is what it really should be doing, how it should be behaving and what it should look like. So let's look, and, and if, if, it's still, if, if I'm not disbarred after today, the, the boss has asked me to speak again next week. So for a couple of weeks, I want to look at one or two things about what the church says, some of the descriptions or metaphors that the church used, sorry, the Bible uses about the church. Here's the first one, Colossians chapter 1. I find this really funny because I have a funny feeling that the earlier on we were 15 to 18 and Matthew 16 and now we're 15 to 18 and Colossians 1 and it's not a mistake. It's just it, you know. That's cool. Perhaps the next one's going to be Revelation 1, 15 to 18. That might be scary. Anyway, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. We sang that great song just before. I, I'm still trying to get to know it. It's complicated. It says lots of good things, doesn't it? And that's, that's sort of about this. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, here it is here, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. We've heard this one many times, haven't we? The church, first and foremost, is his body. Not just any body, his 
body, Christ's body, the body of Christ. And because we hear it so often, I think we forget what it really means and the significance and the wonder and the mystery of that statement. Because, And Jesus and Matthew talked about his church, and now here in Colossians, it's his body. So it's his church, which is his body. The church isn't just a building. The church isn't just an organization. The church isn't just a friendly society of like-minded people. It's not even just a humanitarian group of people doing good deeds like the lions do, which is really great for them to do that. It's Christ's body. It's a living, breathing organism. And because of that, it is to be full of life and vitality and be an agent of change for God in the world. It's It's like many other things in life, but it's also completely different from many other things in life. It's made of people who live in the world, but are being changed and having the world taken out of them. It's they are called the called out ones. It consists of people who have two passports, dual citizenship, citizenship of earth, of New Zealand or Australia or England, wherever your passport's from, citizenship in heaven. Church is an amazing thing. God's agent to see his kingdom advance across the world. The church is the representation of Jesus to a desperate, needy world. You know, the tragedy is, and this really gets to me sometimes, I get really a bit steamed up about it, when most unchurched people think of church, all they think of is irrelevant, old-fashioned, fuddy-duddy, judgmental people who are miserable in their religiosity, and are only interested in themselves and in getting other people's money. And the reason I get steamed up about that is because have you ever seen a representation of a church on TV or in a movie in recent times? Sorry, microphone. It's the only representation many people get about what church is. And man, it's not flattering. In the movies, the church service is usually held in a, a large, dark, cold building, isn't it? With a scattering of people sort of here and there and there and one over there and two over there. and They're sitting on hard wooden benches. You know, this is what I've seen on films and TV. It's, they struggle to sing some obscure song which they don't even like, you know. They all look like they're bored or they've been sucking on lemon juice before they came in. And then then when they leave, they file in, don't talk to anybody. They leave and don't talk to anybody. No one is connected. No one is part of a body. They're just all there and gone. That's what people see when they look, think about church. And as for the pastor or the minister or whoever that might be called or the priest, they usually either have a hellfire and damnation you know, message, you're going to hell, you sinners, or, or it's some political PC sort of thing which has nothing to do with about Jesus. And here's my real beef about the Hollywood portrait of a minister. Only about one in a thousand at least believes in Jesus. They don't even believe in God at all, half of them. And, and, and they're either white wife bashers or embezzlers of funds or some creepy person or they're, they're, they're a, 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 you know, a secret um, psychopathic killer at night time or something or, or they're a mamby-pamby dishcloth and, and they've got a jelly, jellyfish spine, you know, or they are really horrible and, and, and you know, bullies, etc., etc., etc. The best... The best portrayal is a pious, self-religious hypocrite. 
You might be saying this morning, well, yeah, that's about right. So what? You know? But my problem is that people get their concept of what church is from what they're seeing, right? Who knows that's not what church really is? But who gets steamed up when that's all you see on TV and on the movies? And every now and again, you get one where someone really is a really good believer. He's a good guy. And you think, thank you, Lord. At least there's one minister they've put on there who's reasonably all right. No wonder people think church is irrelevant to their lives. When the reality is that church holds the keys that can change their lives forever. Hope you believe that. See, I believe the church of Jesus Christ needs a fresh revelation of who it really is. It's the body of Christ. The representation of Jesus to the world. Who can, we can show his love, his interest in people. We can show his joy and we can show his hope. The church is people. We all agree with that one, right? Not just ordinary people. The church belongs to who? To Jesus Christ. He will what? Build his church. The church is his body, the body of Christ. What an incredible, mysterious phrase that really is. Who knows the human body is an amazing thing. Mine's getting a bit older. I still don't understand everything about it. And I think the older you get, the less you understand. Where did that pain come from? Or why doesn't that thing work quite so well? Or why does that joint feel a bit you know, stiff now? Who, who's with me on that? Because inside I'm 25, right? Who's, who's 25 on the inside still? Yeah. Just think what the human body is capable, capable of in any given day. It can process fuel. It grows. Sometimes you wish it wouldn't, but it grows, you know. It heals its own wounds. It sends and receives messages to and from other human beings, the heart pump pumps, pumps, pumps approximately 105,000 beats every day, give or take a few thousand, depending on how fast yours is beating. Our breathing carries on even while we're asleep, but when we're awake, we can stop our breathing by holding our breath. It's amazing. The human body can reproduce. It can transport itself around can touch, taste, smell, and hear all at the same time. In fact, the brain can process numbers of different things all at once. And then there are the bones and the arteries and skin and blood vessels and muscles and so on and so on and so on. What an incredible, incredible thing. It's an incredible, amazing creation. And it's not... A random assortment of parts, is it? Looking at me, you might think it's pretty random, but it doesn't consist of a million eyes and 75 legs or four hearts. It's intricately and wonderfully made. And so it is with the body of Christ. It's not a really random assortment of individuals, but rather a group of random individuals that God is knitting together as a body, right? We are greater than the, part, than the sum of our parts. Sure, we each have individual relationship with God, and that's vital. We have to have it to be part of the body of Christ. But the church doesn't consist of one part. 
body is not a body with only a heart or with an eye or with a foot or with a nose or any one thing of anything else. And a Christian is not designed to live out their faith by themselves or in secret from every other person from society. And we're not a whole lot of identical parts either, are we? You say, thank the Lord for that, and I see you again. We're not robotic copies of one another. We're unique members of a unique body with unique parts to play. And every part of the body needs all the others to function and to thrive. And just maybe our language needs to change a little bit, I reckon, about from talking about what church I go to to what church I belong to. I've never yet heard an ear say, I might go to a body sometime. But I've never heard a foot say, I might just go and join that body over there sometime. I might just go. They belong to the body. So we don't go to church. We're meant to belong to church. Bodies need certain things. God bless you. Did you have a tissue with that? Or did you need one? See, a sneeze is an amazing thing. It starts when something tickles the nostrils and the nose and then it sends a message and something else, and something else happens and there's an involuntary movement that happens from, sometimes from quite deep inside of it. Yeah. This explosion comes out your nose and your mouth. It's sometimes bringing all sorts of substances with it. It's the body trying to get rid of something. So tell it to come out, Julia. <laughs> Bodies need certain things to continue living, right? And when a baby is born, after it's negotiated its perilous journey through the canal and out and it's into the big wide world, you know, well, I'm here. Very often what happens next is the midwife or the doctor will pick up the baby by its feet, hang it in the air, and then go, welcome to the world, congratulations for being born, you know. And we slap on the back, which isn't really why it's doing it. Why is it doing that? Because the baby has to do something that it's never, ever done before. It's had blood throwing through it from the placenta, and it's had food given to it, and all the heart's been functioning for months, and the, it's all those things have been happening, but it's never had to breathe before. So when it comes, when it's born, suddenly it has to breathe all by itself. And down through the ages, many cultures have associated breath with spirit. In fact, in Hebrew and in Greek, there's one word that can be trans, that's translated both ways. Breath and spirit. Breath, spirit. And the one thing that hugely differentiates, that's a hard word for me to say this morning, differentiates the church from any other society or anything else in the world is the presence of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. When God breathed on man, he became a living being, right? It tells us that in Genesis. When God breathes on us, we become alive spiritually. When the Holy Spirit is in the church, there is life. There is breath. Here's a tough question this morning. If we stopped breathing as a congregation, could we tell? If the breath of God was no longer with us, will we know it? If the vital signs of life of God left, will we realize I hope so. In fact, I really hope we never have to investigate to discover whether that's happened or not. 
I wonder how you can tell whether a congregation has stopped breathing. Maybe it's when people, new people arrive in the service and they're not feeling welcome at all. Maybe it's when there's no buzz of chatting or connecting after the service. I don't know, maybe that's a sign. Maybe, maybe it's when the singing has no life or no volume and it's just a thing to do and it's empty. I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's when small groups have nobody going to them anymore. It wouldn't be so great. Maybe it's when there's no real desire for the presence of God. Maybe, maybe it's when there's no vision to reach the community, the city, of a heart for mission for those that don't yet know Jesus. I don't know. Maybe, when there's, maybe it's when there's no new believers being added to the church. I, I don't know. There could be many things. Maybe, maybe it's when we fail to exercise the fruit of the Spirit together and we don't tolerate one another and we, we fail to forgive each other and, and have grace for one another's faults. I, I don't know. It's probably all of that stuff and a lot more. See, where there's breath, there's life. Where there's a spirit of God, there's a life. We need more and more of the breath of God in all we do in church life. Don't you agree with me? How are we going for time? I have no idea when we started. What does the run sheet say? What does the Holy Spirit say on the run sheet? I don't. He says, don't worry. Cool. No idea when I was supposed to start or when I was supposed to finish, but... When you go to school or go to work tomorrow or go to uni or go wherever you might go and someone says to you, what did you do, what did you do on the weekend? I bet we're all going to be really comfortable, if this is true, saying, well, I watched, you know, I watched the, the, the rugby on Sunday morning and, and um, or, or I went to Christmas in the park on Saturday night and it was all great or I went to some other sport event or some other activity or something I did and, and that's all really great and I'm glad that really happened in our lives. But I... I reckon we have to be equally as comfortable in saying, I went to a church service on Sunday and it was great. Because one thing I really feel is really, really bad in our nation is that as believers, we have bought into the stupid thing where we dare not say we went to church because we might be embarrassed or they might not like it. Well, fooey to that. Isn't that right? Fooey to that. Because being part of the amazing body of Christ is one of the most amazing things that can happen in your life. Being part of Jesus and being part of his family, it's not against the law. It's not even a secret sin, let me tell you. It's actually one of the most fulfilling and life-changing things in life. Being part of the family of God, the body of Christ. What a privilege we have in our nation. What a joy. And something to be shared with all those hungry and thirsty ones out there who don't yet know that same Jesus that you know. So tell them you went to the rug, you saw that you didn't watch it because it wasn't here. I don't know, some of you don't want to know what happened because it was at six this morning. Tell them you went to Christmas in the park and it was great. But tell them you went to church and that was almost great, but you know, it was. See, sports teams will win and lose and come and go, isn't that true? Yeah. Political parties will rise and fall, right? Material things we live with will wear out and pass away. But the church of Jesus Christ will go on forever. The body of Christ is for eternity. 
And see, his church that he's building has the, cry, has the answer for the cry of every human heart. Only his church has the message that transforms a life for eternity. It brings hope to the hopeless. Comfort and strength to people that are hurting. Breathes life and vitality into people that are seemingly dead in the darkness of their lives. We are his church. He's building his church. His church is his body. His representation of who he is on the earth. And he loves his church. And I believe in these days we've got to ask God for a greater love for his church. All its faults. Not just this church, but the church. The body of Christ. His hope for the world. What a blessing to have the opportunity to be part of his plan. God hasn't finished with his church yet. Isn't that cool? The Bible tells us one day he's going to have got rid of all the the spots and all the wrinkles and all the faults and all the bickerings and all the problems and all, and he's going to make it a perfect, spotless, wonderful bride. Cool. There are so many great things about church that I love. And man, if it's great now, I can't wait to see the end product, can you? If we bow our heads, I'm going to ask the team to come up. I meant to ask you a little while ago, but I got carried away with something. All through my late last night, this morning, there's a song been going through my head, which we don't sing because it's about 75 years old. And I couldn't ask the team to do it because I don't think they know it. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Oh, some of you know that because you're as old as me. Yeah. Sometimes the very simple old lines with four, sorry, songs with four lines just fit a moment, don't they? And that song is, it sort of talks about Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, which means I know I need a fresh touch from you. And then it says, break me. And you go, well, that's a bit tough to ask. But it's talking about the fact that when a potter made a pot and it wasn't perfect, he would, before he could refashion the pot, he would break it. And then it says, melt me. So then he'd melt it down and put it back to the clay that it was before. And then he would, then he would mold it afresh. So it says, break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. We've got a couple, you know that, do you? But we've got another, a couple of other songs that we're doing about the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? Do you know that? Okay, we're going to do that as well. I'm just taking... Is it all right? Come out, guys. Because then it doesn't matter. If you don't know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're going to do what you've prepared for me too. Because they've got a couple of spirit songs. Because here's the point. We're going to sing another couple of songs we sing about the Holy Spirit after that as well. But this is what I want this morning. I I really believe in our hearts. We've got to have a new cry for freshness of the Spirit of God. And this part of the body of Christ but across the body of Christ before the before Carl got up he said we need a heart for revival in this nation we do we do the statistics aren't good guys churches around the nation are declining and declining and declining you know God needs to move in this nation in a fresh way but where does it start it starts with me if I'm on fire for Jesus then it's going to touch somebody else 
It's not up to this person or that person or someone over here to get on fire for God. It's up to me. So we need the Spirit of God, don't we? We need Him to touch us afresh. What's the time? 11.04. The notices can wait. The offering can wait. But let's just get a wee bit serious in our own hearts with God this morning. And if you know you've got a bit dry, a little bit, well, blase, you know, oh yeah, I'm going to church today. I'm like that too, quite often. But I'm going to meet with God today. I want Him to touch me afresh. Spirit of God, just freshen us. Let your wind, the breath of your Spirit breathe over us in new ways. We're going to 